Hey nerds, coming up this week, we talk about two dogs, capitalist monkeys, and a crystal skull. Okay, the crystal skull is probably a giveaway. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. A rewatch for both of us and a review for you. Stay tuned for that and more right after this. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds! Are we recording? Yes, we are recording. Nerds! <laughs> Hi! Hey, so <laughs> we are here sort of back where it all began. Uh, we're not on my deck, but we are sitting just outside my apartment which is sort of a townhome almost. It's like a one-story building, and we've got a porch in the front, which is where Will and I are now. We've also got a deck on the side, and that deck is where he and I first recorded together many moons ago. And back at that point, the only... It, it still worked pretty well, actually. If you go back and listen to the audio quality for that, it's surprisingly good for the mics I had. I spent 15 bucks on these two little... Um, we call them lapel mics, like analog lapel mics, and they had a splitter, so you could plug them both into the same headphone jack, and so you would get you would get two people could talk, and it would go through the same track. So it's not stereo necessarily, but now we we've got a. I mean, it's not this is not top of the line, but we got some pretty decent stuff here. We got our Audio Technica microphones. I finally found the other one. It was at the bottom of my closet. It had like fallen down. So I found the other one, and we have a PreSonus AudioBox i2, which uh, is designed to work with iPad, which is what we're recording on right now. Nice. And so we got the nice thing about the the Audio Technica microphones, and we're just nerding out. This is the Reverend Nerds after all, or I'm just nerding out. Is that they have XLR, <laughs> XLR connections as well as USB connections, which is something that most if not all of the Blue Yetis do not have. Although I did see a Blue Yeti at McKay's that had a MIDI output, which I'd never seen before. I was like, oh, if I needed a microphone right now, that would be pretty cool because it had both USB and MIDI. And something I had noticed with the Blue Yeti is that the the micro USB plug-in eventually gets loose and you can have some problems with it. So having the MIDI connector in addition to that is nice. But... But I think these Audio Technica mics are a better option just because they have the XLR and the USB as well as a microphone output through the mic itself. But now we have an audio interface and software that goes along with it. So we're fancy now. By the way, Will is fancy. here. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah, I regret while waiting for Richard to set up, I fell asleep. <laughs> and I'm tired now, so I, I I regret that. All right, get him and do 20 jumping jacks right now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> He's yeah, doing yeah. sitting up crunches right now, guys. So yeah. <laughs> it looks a little awkward. <laughs> it does look a little. But it feels it, awkward. But is it effective? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, we're sitting out here. We're surrounded by four tiki torches because it's right at the edge of. Edge of summer, beginning of fall, and those suckers are still out. And I really don't like mosquitoes. Do you like mosquitoes? I don't like mosquitoes. Love them. They're great. They're <laughs> great for making dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, that's right. 
No, I don't like mosquitoes. <laughs> the birds of the south. Although, interestingly, from what I've heard, the male mosquitoes help to pollinate flowers. Huh. Why the female mosquitoes don't also do this, I don't know. They, for some reason, want to suck blood. Why is that, female mosquitoes? Right. Why? <laughs> I know they're like, feed their young with it and stuff, you know. It's just really annoying. It's like, why can't you suck my blood without making me itch for three days straight? Like, why can't you? Are you allergic? No, but I mean, you know, and I have a lot of body hair, so I don't give a bit as often as some people. But, you know, it's still, you know, it gives you the lump and it itches for what, two or three days, right? So that's why Bigfoot's covered. <laughs> uh, well, that that would help. Yeah. Although animals with hair still seem to get flies all over. Although uh, they seem to, you know, so with horses and cattle. Yeah. It's all around their eyes, which that's got to be really annoying. It's like, and, you're, and they're just standing there all day, like grazing and like, so they're just trying to flick it off with their ears. And they don't have hands where they can just, you know, I mean, I guess they could try doing that with their paws, not the right hoof. <laughs> Wouldn't be very effective though. If they, if they were, I wonder if horses have figured out, like one horse could stand in front of the other horse and he could use his tail to flick the flies off the other horse's face and they could just have this. Congo lion <laughs> going around the paddock or the uh, pasture that where they're at where and obviously the guy in the very front who's probably the leader of the pack you know he has to put up with the flies you know but then they would rotate right so he'd get in the back and he'd get someone to flick his flies off and maybe not <laughs> i don't know where this circle. is going where is this going will they could do like you do an infinite circle infinite circle like the uh the infinity uh well, yeah, horses. I guess if you... Well, oh, yeah, duh. That would work. Be in a circle. <laughs> in a circle. You'd have to have enough horses to make it, but, yeah, you can make a circle. Yeah. I guess even just three horses, maybe. Triangle. Triangle. Definitely a circle, though. A circle would work. That's very, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that, like, geometric shapes, like circles or swirls or... Squirrels. Even triangles, like, just pop up naturally. And then us, with all of our knowledge and expertise and architecture, we're, in a lot of ways, we're just imitating what's around us, right? Like, yeah. And we're very skilled at doing that, obviously. And we make new things out of it. Uh, like like this apartment building <laughs> or this car sitting next. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I know. Right? I see all sorts of minivans in nature. <laughs> <laughs> so so getting creeping closer to our topic for today what if 5000 years ago interdimensional beings arrived on earth and taught us how to do some of this shit and created cars with eyeballs flying cars that talk and star in disney films no <laughs> no wrong topic what if what if that's how the agricultural revolution started that they came and taught us how to do it yeah this, this is what uh, the film we're going to talk about today. Yes, nerds, we're discussing Indiana Jones. In the kingdom. The kingdom. I was like, the kingdom of the crystal, crystal skull. skull. I was trying to do it at the same time. Yeah. Why so, did yeah. we choose this topic? I don't know. You tell me. Well, it was my turn to choose the topic, and <laughs> I wanted to watch Doll of Destiny, but it's not a Disney Plus, so we settled for this. And I've got I've got to admit I've only seen this movie once before now. Oh, just in the theater? Uh it may have been the theater. It may have been home video. Did you and I go see it together? 
Did we? I don't know. It would have been, what, 2008. I think I went to see it with somebody. Maybe it was just my sister, though. I saw it with... I know, I saw it in theater. I did see it with somebody, and I didn't like it, but I... So I wanted to hate watch it, but I have to admit something. My second time watching it, I didn't hate it. Ah, okay. Did not. Okay. It was good. Cool. I mean, the gophers were still ridiculous. <laughs> there were some ridiculous parts, but it was it was better. So what's more ridiculous, though, the, the gophers in this movie or those little... I don't even know what you call them. Those little chicken, chicken bird things in The Last Jedi. We're jumping universes here. We're oh. Star Wars for a minute, but still with it connected. George Lucas is the connection, <laughs> loose, <laughs> loosely. But you know those little chicken birds that Chewbacca is eating one of them, and then the other ones show up, and they're like, "You're eating my father," and he, <laughs> then he can't eat anymore, and they the become porgs? they become his pets. Is that what they're called? Porgs? Yeah, porgs. So what's more annoying, the porgs or the prairie dogs? I like porgs. They are kind of cute, fun. <laughs> yeah, and they fly. Inexplicable. <laughs> they're like, I guess they're smaller than penguins, so that's how they're able to fly somehow. Well, I'm just joking. The gophers aren't really, the prairie dogs aren't really a big issue. What's really ridiculous is still the. Let me let me turn to my notes right quick. Yeah, we're so, just jumping right in, by the way. So, so I think the movie starts out strong. Spoiler warnings. Anyway, continue, sir. I think the movie starts out strong. There was a lot of things I missed in my first watching that I got for this watching. What's ridiculous is still that nuke bomb fridge scene. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> even if he survived, it would have, like, broke all his bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the dude would have been... Yeah, he would have had some broken bones at least, but somehow he, he gets out unscathed. And it's just... I mean, he does have to get a, a scrub down to, to get rid of the radiation. A little bit of radiation he got, exposure he got. But beyond that... You know, like the worst, the worst of the experience is probably the uncertainty of whether he was going to die. Obviously, that's, yeah. that's pretty scary. Uh, and then, and then they try to scrub his junk. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Hey," which I mean, you got to scrub everything. So, yeah, sorry, Andy. Yeah. So, does scrubbing someone with a broom get, actually get rid of radiation? I have no idea, but that may have been the. I don't know if that was the process at the time. Like now, it's probably like super powerful, like showers. Like I don't know. I don't even know what the process would be now, but I would imagine cleansing of some type is involved, I would think. Yeah. Like, the guys doing it were all in, like, the radiation suits and stuff, like the... So, so yeah, and they had, like, Geiger counters out and whatnot. But, anyway, your notes, sir. Um, I, I had no idea the first time watching this film... I must have missed it that Indiana Jones was involved with the uh, crash and uh, autopsy of the 1947 Roswell, New Mexico alien. Yeah, I liked that connection, actually. Uh, like, I mean, I like most things alien-related, except for... I mean, there's some things that are just genuinely dumb. But in general, I like sci-fi that deals with the possibility of aliens, like X-Files, you know, existing... Yeah within our our time period or recent history that kind of stuff's interesting to me so i like that connection did you like it yeah yeah i did um i'm wondering the the aliens in this movie are highly magnetic and i'm just wondering if that 
was made up for this film or if that is supposed to be some sort of documented factoid. I have no idea. Or given, I mean, alien theory. As far as I know, you know, we've never encountered interdimensional beings, at least not like the ones in this film. But right. then, but then that's only as far as I know. Right. The well, I'm not is. saying I believe in the 1947 UFO crash. I'm just Oh yeah, but yeah, I yeah, know no. that there are people who do believe that. So I'm just wondering if the magnetism has a place somewhere. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember. Like, and I, I've watched or listened to some documentaries and some people that talk about this and take it more seriously. Like, uh, I've heard interviews with people in the military who claim to have worked at Area 51 and claim to have seen remains. I've heard those kind of interviews, and um, and then obviously I've watched fiction you know which derives from some real life stuff like x-files you know they they derive from a lot of real stories in the sense of like real people have told these stories and you know the x-files is adapting them dramatically now whether those real people actually experienced what they thought they did is another question but these are the stories that real people have shared i guess um but yeah as to the magnetism I don't honestly know. It might have just been more of a of a gimmick, in a uh, sense, to to give atmosphere or to signal that something creepy was about to go on, along with the musical cues, obviously. Right. You know, you get that... I don't know what instrument that was. Like, like I, I, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you had some, some interesting... There were some musical notes in the film, I think, that evoked uh, memories of Close Encounters of the Third Kind for uh, me, which makes sense. Spielberg and Williams getting together on Aliens, you know. Anyway. So, uh, I really liked how there was a cameo of the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they that kinda, was neat. They kind of snuck that in there. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really sneak it in there. It was like right in your face, but like... So, um, what, did you, what did you think about the opening... Um, first first 30 minutes or so of the film yeah i think i liked everything except the him surviving the nuke you know that was that was the dumb the dumb part i was just like really but otherwise i, I did really enjoy the the opening and i think the the car chase or the car race like the race if memory serves me evoked a, a connection to the last crusade because uh, i think that's how the last crusade began was with like a people driving a hot rod through the desert, if memory serves me. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I, I believe I that's how that started. I thought it was on a train. But I think... I think I believe there, there was like a hot rod involved, though, I think. like a, I, have to go, I haven't seen it in a while. <clears throat> but, yeah, I um, haven't either. I think so. So I think Spielberg was like doing a callback. But it was different, obviously, because they were racing what they thought was the U.S. military. Yeah. And then, of course, we find out it's, it's the Russians. The Russians. But no, I enjoyed it, and and with it being 1957, you know, it made sense that the the villain of choice, you know, switches to the Russians, who were kind of our unofficial enemy at the time. We were in a cold war with them, kind of almost more of a competition in a sense. Um, although I've heard from people that were involved in all of that that it came close a few times. Well, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I guess was just a few years after this, right, would have taken place. But yeah, but I but I like the switch to the Russians, but they are kind of just the in some sense the plug-in new baddie. 
Yeah. Um, but I did feel like Kate Blanchett helps to lend some some gravitas to that. How how did you feel about? This is a more general question. How do you feel about her performance as the, the Russian, Russian commander? I think she did a really great job. Um, I can't tell you whether or not the actors playing the parts of Russians was authentic or not, since I don't know a lot of Russian people. But Neither do I. But um, uh, I, I thought it was a great performance. Uh, I, I loved, uh, like you said, I loved them switching out Germans for Russians. Yeah, which again, being 20 years later, it wouldn't have made sense for them. I mean, you, you could find a way to get the Nazis in there. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't necessarily have made as much sense to have the yeah. Nazis continue to be the big baddie, uh, so to speak. Or at least the the baddie that's around, that's working with maybe the big baddies. You know, the villain of the, the show. But yeah, I liked her performance too, like Kate Blanchett. One of the things she's known for, I mean, it. I mean, my experience with that this aspect of her performance career is starts with Lord of the Rings, you know, and she she does a really good job, like taking on um, accents, like mastering accents and languages. Like she did, from what I understand, uh, excelled with speaking Elvish, uh-huh. you know, as did as did some of the other actors as well. But like she, but she's taken on those types of roles in other films as well, where she had to master a new accent. Um, and even just her films where she plays an American because she's actually Australian. Um, so yeah, her commitment to that, I think is, is I would say without rival, but she's, she's one of the top actors in the business when it comes to mastering accents. Cause some actors, even like the great Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, now he he did a really good job with Blood Diamond, where he did a South African accent. But I've seen him in one or two other films where it was a little spotty. You know, so but I don't think I've seen her slip up yet. But again, I'm also not Russian, so there may have been some things she missed. Um, she could probably point them out to you too. She's like, "There's a way I missed that." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling. But yes, I I love I love Kate Blanchett. She's an amazing actress, and. Uh, you know, was she the? Uh, I can't remember the name right now, but was she the female elf in in Rivendell? Yes, yeah, she was. Well, not not Rivendell. Um, in uh, Lothlorien, she was almost like a queen of Lothlorien. <laughs> right. but well, that's who I'm without, thinking of. Without being called a queen. Um. Although she did refer to herself as that uh, in one of the scenes where she talks to Frodo, um, but. That wasn't necessarily her like official title, I don't think, but she is in a sense, you know, ruling over Lothlorien along with Celeborn. Uh, I think Lord Cele- uh, Lord Celeborn, who gets almost no screen time in that movie. Right, I remember him <laughs> though too. Yeah, poor guy that plays him. Like he he, he gets like maybe two lines. That's it. <laughs> Except in the extended edition, he gets a little bit more. Anyway. So, um, in my first watch, I didn't like that we were focusing on aliens, and that was only because I thought it was a jump from the previous topics, but in the second watch, I actually love it, because it makes perfect sense to the time period and the lore, the lore of the time period. Well, yeah, and you, you can tie it back 
to the theories, you know, which are definitely out there, and the theories that aliens, you know, that are leap and the technological leap that you see, at least in recorded human history, where we have the advent of agriculture and like the building of the pyramids and the ziggurats and just the advent of like more complex civilization, you know, the theory that someone from outside of this planet helped us. You know, that, that's definitely out there. Um, so, yeah, it, but, but from an archaeological and historical standpoint, it makes total sense that, that you know, Indy would have been familiar with, with those stories. And that, I think, fit in really well with the archaeological themes right. that go throughout all the movies. But, yeah, Do you, I don't think, I think Harold Oxley, I don't think he was in any of the first three films, was he? Do you, do you recall? Are you are we talking about the uh overweight uh character? No, like Ox, like the one he's oh, the prof- he's the professor I'm sorry, like you did say Oxley. Harold Oxley. Uh John Hurt plays him. I don't remember him being in the first three films, so I think he's like a new character created for this he film. He must be. Seems like. Um But I had a, the same question for you about the uh overweight character that Seems to be Mac, yeah, Mac. That seems to be uh, have a lot of history with Indiana Jones, and I just really can't remember right now if he was even in the first three films. Not that I recall, but again, having not rewatched them in a while, I don't know for sure. But it, if he was, it was not a major part, right? I think I would have remembered it if it was a major part. You know, like even John Reese Davies, who didn't have a huge role, he had. Probably his biggest role was in the first film, um, but you see him. It's like, oh yeah, it's John Reese Davies. You know, it's like um, he's always like Andy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't recall Mac being in there. So I think it's more of he and Indy. I think it's more implied he and Indy became friends in the interim period, the, in- yeah. the intervening nineteen twenty years or so. Apparently, Indy had fought in the war or something with him. I think they uh, were between well, the films. They were spies together, so like right. they, they spied on the communists actually together. So they worked as spies for the U.S. government in there, which archaeology would have been a good cover uh. for that type of stuff. So that made sense as well that they they had done some of that work together, and obviously Indy helps. It wasn't necessarily his intent for going on the journeys he goes on in the first three movies, but he ends up fighting against the Nazis quite a bit. Um, which I'm trying to remember if those take place actually. Sorry for the ambient noise here. We are the, outside. <laughs> the joys. Yeah. City life, my friends. City life. City life. Um, do you remember if, if any of the first three films actually took place during World or at least when I say during World War II, I guess I mean 1941 to 45, like after we entered the war. Yeah, after his country would have entered the war. I'm trying to remember if it if it happened prior to... I can't recall off the top of my head right now. I feel like it. Uh, I thought it so. I'm not sure, though. There's been something good to have researched. <laughs> but, yeah. This isn't, our, this isn't our job. So, yeah, we try to fit in as much research as we can leading up. But, yeah, we've got a few other things going on in our lives. Yes. Know. So, Lots of other things. Sadly, you, you guys just get us having fun and shooting the breeze. Yeah. Anyway. 
So, I mean, it would have been great if we had time. I almost suggested we do a review on Young Indiana Jones, but that's yeah, a TV series. Yeah, I, I thought about that. I thought about that because I guess it is is on Disney Plus now. I guess. Yeah. I never. Had, I think I might have seen one episode of that, but but probably yeah, not I, more than that. I have definitely not watched all of it. But yeah, we could have done maybe the first few. I have no idea if it's considered canon or not. That's a good question. Man. It might be. That might even been something they referenced because he talks about fighting or um, with Pancho Villa. Or no, getting abducted by Pancho Villa, I think. Uh, fighting against Huerta. Something along those lines when he was Mutt's age, which Mutt's, Mutt's oh. around, I don't know, 18, 19. Right. I think he's supposed to be somewhere in that range, 18 to 20. I didn't think of that. So maybe that took place during the series, and yeah, could be something they were, were referencing. I, w- I wondered about that. <laughs> so, what did you think about Mutt Williams' character? I think he was good. Like, I, I like Shia LaBeouf. Like, uh, yeah, I think he he's a very naturally talented actor, um, and and he's he's f- in a lot of the things he's in. He's he's fun. He's fun to watch. I think, and just something about him that's very relatable. I think both as a character, the characters he plays, and just as a person, like he's made a lot of mistakes, he's messed up a lot, but he he's kept going, and like he's he's kind of faced up to some of that, and you know, moving on, you know, still still making films. Um, he's made a lot more independent movies of of late than he has. He hasn't been involved in as many bigger budget films, which I'm I've like noticed. Pro- props to you, man. You know, you 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 go where you where you have interest. You know, and and he can probably afford to do that at this stage. But I know back here, because he had been in Transformers, which is yeah. where you know, and Spielberg, I guess, really liked him back at this point, which is why Spielberg. I think he just straight up asked him if he would be in indie. I don't even know if he screen test. Probably did some screen test with Harrison. I would imagine just to be sure if they had chemistry. But I thought that worked pretty well. I thought the interplay between. Whoops. Pause. Well, we're going to pause. Nerds, we would love to find out who is on the other side of the microphone. There are multiple options by which you can connect with us. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook and YouTube as simply the irreverent nerds. Makes sense, right? And of course, we are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? We welcome your feedback. We post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time on Spotify, so please feel free to jump in there and give us your two cents. All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. All right, nerds. Nerds. We're back. So so in case you didn't hear what happened... Uh, one of the tiki torches fell over and caught some stuff on fire. Yeah, thankfully, pyro, it was, pyro. <laughs> it was on the pavement, so not much happened. But yeah, that was that was interesting. It was our fun for the night. Not to say this isn't fun. Of course, it's you know. But I don't remember where we left off. We were talking about how much you love Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Yeah, I like I like Shia. Uh, he makes some interesting choices. I even kind of liked him. Yeah, well, at least the. Eh. 
even in the Transformers movies, like he, you know, there was elements of of that I liked that was just kind of nerdy fun, I guess. Um, and then you know he's matured as an actor over the years as well. But yeah, I thought he did a good job. He definitely portrays the the pathos, like you see that in particular in his his um, how upset he gets over Oxley as he sees evidence that it seems like Oxley's losing his mind. And someone that's meant a lot to him, kind yeah. of been a father figure to him. And I, I have questions about that in case I missed something in the film. Yeah, so <coughs> So what uh, what was your impression impression of that relationship? Well, before we move on to that, I just want to say I'm not a, I'm not a Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf fan. Uh, how how you pronounce that? But that's Le, not his LaBeouf. fault. LaBeouf. Yeah. LaBeouf. I think LaBeouf. it's LaBeouf. I'm pretty sure it's LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Uh but that's not his fault. Uh it, in my mind, he was just malaligned with the Transformers films. <laughs> uh, and that was one of the reasons why I didn't like this film originally. But since I'm over the whole Transformers Michael Bay thing, uh, that was not held against him this time around. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed his character. I, I know why he's called Mutt Williams, but I... I still think it's a little too on the nose, personally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does say that he chose it for himself, and I guess it was him. I'm not super familiar with the the greaser culture of the day, like where everybody was trying to dress like James Dean and had a motorcycle and all that. Like, I'm not. Um, I haven't seen the movie Grease or Grease Two, um, so I'm only very loosely familiar with that <clears throat> that culture. So, I. Uh, I don't know how common that was. Steven Spielberg, I think, would have... I don't know how old he would have been in that era. He would have lived through it, I think, but it, he might have... I don't know if he would have been old enough to be a greaser himself. I'm trying to think what year he would have been born. Yeah. Well, he might have. Yeah, he might have been right around Mutt's age at that point. So it might be something that was like a touch point for him, and maybe for George Lucas as well. Because um, I think George Lucas, he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't deal with greasers, but he. I think it is a similar time period in his movie American Graffiti. Oh, okay. uh, which came out a few years before Star Wars hit. I think it was nineteen seventy three or something like that. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know how. It definitely plays on some of the stereotypes from that, like the the preppy college boys versus the the school dropout greaser, you know, getting in a fight. Uh, right. I thought that was kind of funny, though. I thought that was played for humor, and I, th- I thought that was effect- oh yeah. I thought that was effective. Yeah, I yeah. liked it, uh, and I like the give and take between him and like the growing respect that you see develop between them. But then obviously that shifts some when Andy finds out he's his son. Spoiler warning, by the way. Sorry if I surprised you, but again, you've had 15 years to see this, so it's your, yes. own, it's your own fault. <laughs> it's twice your fault because you're listening to this podcast right now. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he's Indy's he's Indy's son, which Indy doesn't find out until more than halfway into the film. And apparently, Mutt doesn't find out until the same moment. Yeah, he finds out right after Indy finds oh, out. Well, right after <laughs> you're right. Yeah, like I think maybe the next scene or pretty yeah. close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the next scene. Yeah. Um, and the only reason his mom tells Indy 
she says is, is because she thought they were going to die. So she's like, much your son! You know, which if they had died, what would have been the point? But, you know, it's like last minute confessional, I guess. It's like, yeah, speak all your truths. So you do know why his name is Mutt Williams, though, right? Well, the Williams, I, I do know, like, because they explain that, that she marries, like, Marion, like, after Indy very unceremoniously basically dumped and ghosted her. Like, what'd she say, a month before they were going to get married? He yeah. Just, he just leaves, doesn't tell her why, doesn't explain it, doesn't have an argument about it. You know, he says that he didn't tell her because every time they talked, they had an argument, and they never had an argument that he won. <laughs> so he didn't want to talk to her about it, and he he didn't he, th- he was afraid that he was going to hurt her if they got married. So he was afraid it wouldn't work, so he ran away, not knowing, obviously, that she was pregnant I don't know if I'm not sure if she knew at that point if she didn't she found out soon after right um and then after I think she said three months after Mutt was born she started dating Colin Williams whom apparently Indy had introduced to her at some point you know which he gets angry about he's like I introduced you she's like well, I think you gave up your vote on who I marry after you walked out a month before we got married before yep. the wedding Touche. And, and and I uh, I have a question about uh, her relationship with uh, Oxley because they get Harrison Ford's character Indiana and she get married at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. And uh, Oxley is there clapping, mm-hmm. all shaven and stuff now. And uh, what did they get a divorce at some point before this? Because I thought she married Oxley Williams. No, no, no. Uh, no. Okay, his name's not... So he's a different character. He's totally not Williams. Totally. So you have Colin Williams. Colin Williams. Never, oh, okay. I'm trying to think. I don't know if they ever say if, if they got divorced or if he died. They. I don't know that they say. I'm trying to remember because that conversation's sticking in my head pretty well. And I don't know that they say whether they got divorced or died. Because he was Mutt's stepfather. It may be that they got divorced. Oh, okay. Obviously, either he died or they got divorced because then she was able to marry Indy. Right. So it's one of those two. But, yeah, I don't know if the film tells you which, now that I think about it. It may have, and I just missed it. But, yeah, Oxley was more of like, he was already a friend of Marion's and Indy's. And I guess, I guess maybe she lived near where he taught or something but they had a friendship yeah so he became more of just like a mentor kind of father figure to my uh. and he was angry that Indy had left um but he apparently thought that mutt was also colin's son like he didn't realize that it was Indy's son because he was surprised by that as well um so it wasn't so that is interesting so i guess he was more of just a family friend right um just but was very close family friend that hung around and um but yeah i didn't never got any hint of him and marion having anything romantic and thanks for clearing that up I, I, that was something i missed but getting back to the name the reason why mutt williams named himself mutt as a nickname uh i don't know why he and his mind did it but i know why the screenwriters did it because Indiana Jones' nickname Indiana, he's named after the dog. 
The dog's name is Indiana. We <laughs> find this out in the Last Crusade. I forgot about that. So, <laughs> Mutt Williams' nickname is also after a dog, a mutt. That's funny. Not and a, at this not point, not a specific dog, but a, a type of dog. I guess. Yeah, and at this point, I actually thought. In my rewatch, I thought, well, he knows that Indy is his father, and he's just not letting on. Ah. But apparently that's not true, because he doesn't find out until later in the film. So why he named himself Mutt, just out of coincidence, I don't know. Well, Mutt, But the screenwriters know. That's a good question, because he didn't know Colin was his stepfather. So yeah, maybe that was just more of like a little, like, hey, let's throw this in there. But yeah, they don't bother to explain it, and I don't think they need to necessarily. He's just like, it's like, yeah, I picked it for myself. You got a problem with it, you know? And it's like, I don't know that necessarily needs an explanation. But yeah, it, it could be some kind of like clever, you know, like trying to stick in a little reference there. Maybe they did it in part to make people wonder if he knew. But I don't know if anyone, maybe just hardcore indie fans, which you obviously picked up on that. I yeah, I I had forgotten even about him being named after the dog. But now that you mentioned that, I. I'm picturing a scene where he and his father talk about it, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he get mad about it, too? He's like, you named me after the dog? <laughs> of course, his, that's not his name, though. Indiana. Was that his nickname? No, that was just his name? nickname. Because he's Henry. Henry's his, his first name. Henry Jones Jr. So, um... So, Mutt's real name, we find out, is Henry. The third. Henry the third. So, in my notes, I'm jumping way ahead, but in the jungle, the, I found the uh, Mutt Williams swinging on the vines, and then the <laughs> monkey attack, I found that ridiculous. Yeah, one of one of my mental notes was like what I enjoyed about the film the first time around I enjoyed the second well this I think I've seen it at least a couple times in between so like I enjoyed this time you know as well and what I did not like about it the first time I also did not like about it this time and that was is probably the worst scene yeah it's, yeah it's just too stupid it's just it is because there there are some some ridiculous and how does he catch up with the speeding vehicles oh while swinging on vines? They don't bother to try and explain the physics of that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's just, that was just, and it was so blatantly, like the CGI in that whole scene. Ah, granted, this is 15 years ago, but like, I think it would have worked better if they had stuck to more practical effects like, like they did in the first three indie films, honestly. And done less CGI, and especially in big action scenes like that. Now I know it's probably more expensive and certainly more dangerous, so maybe that's why they didn't, which is understandable. But the CGI was not good enough to to make it seamless per se. Yeah, I did notice I mean, it looked you a could, little wonky. You could tell it was CGI. Yeah, like obviously the the vehicles they were in was not, but then you could tell a lot of the other stuff was CGI. Um. I'm not saying that that's easy to do. I'm, I'm sure it's not. Um, but <clears throat> they might have been better served to have stuck with practical effects in those scenes and not put in so much digital. 
but but yeah just that went a little too far like like i know the action scenes in all the indie films have humor and they have some ridiculous moments but that was just like okay this is this is too far <laughs> spielberg i'm sorry this is just too dumb it's just yes. dumb it's not funny it's not it's it's i'm laughing at it not with it i guess it's yeah. like I'm not laughing at it because, oh, that's a good joke. I was like, no, this is just stupid. <laughs> I'm laughing at how stupid it is. But yeah, so you felt similarly this time around as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think in my initial watch, I really thought the ants were stupid, but this time around, I was willing to accept it. That made a little more sense. Yeah. Although, I, I meant to look this up before we started. I didn't get to it, but I wanted to look up and see if there are actually Peruvian ants that are that big. Because if there are, then I was like, oh, that's even scarier because they exist. Yeah. Well, there are African ants that can strip um, the flesh off of a live cow in so many seconds. So they might mm. have based it off of that, but I don't know if there are any in Peru. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, if this that's right. This was not Peru at this point. This was in the Amazon or the Amazon, still South America. Yeah, which it wouldn't surprise me if there were, you know, like why not? You know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff in the Amazon. I mean, crazy in comparison to what we live around, right? Because um, yeah, you got so much. Still, to the, you know, still like a lot of un uncharted territory, I guess. Maybe not uncharted as much as like uninhabited. You know, not uninhabited either, like undomesticated. Yeah, undomesticated, <laughs> uncivilized, which I think is there a good. Go. I think is a good thing. Like, like leave the Amazon basin alone. Like, stop, stop strip, stripping the trees. Um, you know, now nah, it's easy for me to say all the way over here, not being someone who might depend on some of that for my livelihood yeah. down there. But there's, you know. From what I understand, though, the governments down there, they just, they allow too much and the businesses go too far and it's done a lot of damage to rainforests and stuff. And it's not good. I mean, that produces so much of our oxygen. Like, if they ever oh, completely yeah. stripped it, like, like who knows, like, maybe South America would, like, run out of oxygen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would definitely lower the Earth's oxygen levels. Oh, which, yeah. Which is not good for humans, I'll tell you that, and a lot of other animals, too. No. So, yeah, it has to be controlled because, like, we know enough now to know that a lot of the Earth's oxygen comes from that, as well as carbon absorption, you know. So, yeah, don't 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 go too far with that. That reminds me of the episodes of The Simpsons where um, Lisa is an adult and she goes to uh, an exhibit like The Last Tree on Earth or something. Hmm. But oh it, yeah, it was, was meant, it like meant as a joke, but I'm just like, where is all the oxygen? <laughs> is that the one where it's like it's a play on the movie Boyhood, where it trails Bart all through? Or there's there's one where they're all adults, right? That she oh, like, there are she, she's like the president. Is it the one where she's like the president of the United States or something? Maybe I'm not really sure. It could have been that one, or it could have been when she was in college. I'm Speaking not which, really sure. We still haven't done The Simpsons. We gotta, we gotta do that. We gotta figure out how we're gonna approach it. We've been talking about this for a while. We need, we need to make it happen. <laughs> Simpsons. Well, we got close to Futurama. This is true. This but, Simpsons uh, adjacent. We'll get there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe in December, unless you've got plans. Yeah. I think the only thing. Oh, we do on my oh, radar for we, December is a. There's a new Mia. Well, not a Miyazaki film. It's a new Studio Ghibli film that's coming out in theaters. Okay. That might be really cool to. And I forgot. Uh, Other than that, I don't have anything planned at this. Do point. we normally take a break in December? Well, this past year we took like one week off. I think. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we got to figure out if we're gonna do it the same way this time around. Um, but yeah, we'll at least take a week off, if nothing else, before season five. But yeah, we we've got some, yeah, we've got some talking and planning to do, uh, which we're not gonna do here because that's not why you guys are here. No, no. Um, but anyway, yes, we we still have not. We need to rectify that and get the Simpsons episode done. So let's backtrack. We were talking about trees, the Amazon, yeah. ants. That's where that's where we tangent. Yeah, and the ridiculous vine swinging scene. Yeah, and then some for some reason, I guess because they see him swinging, they're like the monkeys are like, let's join in, and they attack the Russians as well. Yeah, why? <laughs> I was like, I think I made a note. It's like, oh, the monkeys are capitalists. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, I can see it now. A little top hat and monocle. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that made it even more ridiculous. I'm like, it's like, oh, let's let's. This man is this giant man child is is swinging with us. Let's let's join his his team. <laughs> Definitely been watching a lot of Futurama. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> I wonder if Shia LaBeouf looks back at that and is embarrassed. But and not only that, there's a there's another scene which. I get what they were going for because, you know, Indy's always getting a beating. Like, the first three movies, he's always getting beat up, and that's kind of part of the shtick, right? Um, yeah. But in this one, I was like, it it didn't, it just didn't quite fit. Like, but they got the fencing part where he's, like, standing on two different two cool. different cars, and he's, like, doing the splits, and then he gets hit in the balls with, like, several shrubbery times. several times while he's trying to... to to sword fight the Russian general. And he, like, or, doesn't even react a couple of times. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, come on, this is dumb. Like, that, not quite as dumb as the vine swinging, but, <laughs> but close. I'm like, yeah, this is not really necessary. Like, you've got enough other types of humor here. This is not really necessary. Yeah. But those those are probably my biggest gripes about the film. That 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 and the, um, the fridge scene. So... <laughs> Surviving the nuclear blast in a fridge without without any broken bones after being hurled like at least several hundred feet, if not more. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, these are probably the more accurate reasons, the more correct reasons why this film is not always lauded among the Indiana Jones fan base. Yeah, I think... It, now, for some, it's probably in competition with Temple of Doom for like their least favorite. And I think the biggest complaint I've heard about Temple of Doom is that the the female um, co-star is screaming all the time. <laughs> so I've, that's probably one of the complaints I've heard. Um, but yeah, I think what works for me in this film is like I do think the relationship between India and his son like, as it develops, I think that works. But I think what I loved the most about this, you know, which obviously is enjoyable about the first three films as well, is the the mist, the archaeological and historical mysteries that Indy gets pulled into, 
and like digging into ancient past and like decoding things and working out puzzles and going through, you know, ancient obstacle courses, so to speak, and, you know, diffusing booby traps and getting closer to the truth and then facing opposition in the midst of that, you know, he's got, and he's competing with someone else who's also pursuing that, that prize, like that through line is, is there and they pulled that off really well. And that's the heart of the film. And to me, that's why I, I still, still really enjoy watching it. I can put up with a, with a handful, you know, two or three dumb scenes. Right. You know, there's certainly other movies that have two or three dumb scenes that I enjoy on most levels. And this is one, like, I, I don't, I don't hate this. I never did. Even the first time I saw it, you know, it had stupid scenes, but overall I, I really liked it. And I don't think it deserves a lot of the, no. the flack that it gets. I don't think so either. Like I said, my second viewing was a lot more favorable. Yeah, and I haven't counted, but this might be my fourth or fifth viewing of it total. Like, I've I've watched it a few times since seeing it in theaters. Um, But yeah, so it's somewhere around there, probably a fourth or fifth viewing for me. But it's been a while since the last time I saw it, so I think, yeah. Well, let's see how we're doing on time here. Well, let's um, let's fast forward a little bit. Obviously, well, quite a bit, I guess. Um, well, I guess we can trace it throughout the throughout the movie. But what did you think of the like the development of the storyline, and then the the payoff at the end with the interdimensional beings, like the build up? Like the mystery and the build up, and then the eventual payoff at the end. Like, um, I guess, did that resonate with you the first time you saw it? And then, how did this viewing compare to that? Well, like <clears throat> I said earlier, um, the first time I watched it, I didn't like it because it was such a uh, so different than what India's experienced before. In the first film, it's a artifact from Judaism. From the second film, I forget. It's some sort of artifact from... Was it Mayan or Aztec? I think... One think, of those two, probably. Think, or Inca? One, it, of those, one of the big three, probably. Inca, Maya, or Aztec. I can't remember. <coughs> anyway, continue. But uh, and then the third one, it was a <coughs> artifact of Christendom. Uh, so I was used to the supernatural... Mm. Uh, the plot revolving around some sort of supernatural religious artifact. Yeah. But but I've come to uh, accept and enjoy this one. Um, I mean, it's still religious in a sense. Yeah, it still had yeah, definitely had some religious connections. Because still. the Mayans worshipped these interdimensional beings <laughs> the as gods. Uga? Huh? They weren't Mayans. They weren't Mayans? Say, the Uga. They were called the Uga. The Uga. Um... They might have been related to the Maya. (laughs) I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um... Love that scene in in, uh, the Guardians movie. I've always loved that song. Oh, wait. Actually, I'm getting that mixed up. The opening scene with Chris Pratt where he's like, yeah, I love that scene. Hey, ho, ho. 
yeah that was that was that really set the tone for the film and it was fun and uh i didn't know chris pratt could dance (laughs) 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 was it he says at the end like it's like i think it's drax says or no no the villain asks him what are you doing it's like it's called a diversion, you big turd blossom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just doing, he's doing the day. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Any, anyway, my last note is, um, oh, no, I didn't even answer your question yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, what'd you, how'd you feel about the... Um, interdimensional being storyline like how it developed the mystery do you feel like it built up at a good pace yeah i liked it um i think that there were some major spoilers uh early on because you know we were clued in about the roswell new mexico oh that's true body uh this crystal skull when we find it is obviously extraterrestrial but uh, the ending payoff is still pretty big uh, because you don't see it coming. All these crystal skeletons coming together to form an actual, somehow still alive, living, breathing, extraterrestrial um, or interdimensional yeah. being. Did you did you feel like that was a bait and switch at all, or of kind of like, hey, we're we're baiting you this whole time with extraterrestrial mystery, and then surprise is interdimensional. <coughs> Or do yeah, you, that do you was feel like it was similar enough where I was like, okay, they still paid it off well? Oh, no, it was still paid off. I mean, that was unexpected, but um, but it was still paid off. Um, I'm still confused about the alien burning our Russian lady's uh, eyeballs out. Was uh, the that his the alien's wrath or was it just the alien giving her what she wanted and her brain couldn't handle all the information it did feel like there was a bit of malice at least in his expression yeah and maybe some of that was it might have been anger at her hubris perhaps Uh, of like i want it all i want it all give it to me give me the knowledge i want it all you know maybe that was him like okay you're an arrogant little human I'm going to give you exactly what you want, and it's going to kill you. Oh, uh, you know. Although it's debatable, like she, she sort of vaporizes, but then she goes up into the portal. So, like, right. is, she, is she dead? <coughs> Which I, I, I haven't seen Dial of Destiny yet, but I seriously doubt they bothered. No, to, I doubt to it. Bring any elements of the story back. My question is whether or not, but. <coughs> But Williams comes back in any form or shape in yeah. the next film because I it, was wondering that does he have a little cameo or probably just a reference? It feels like he should at least have a reference. Yeah, like maybe like they did with Indy's father. You know, they don't because the actor was still alive, but they decided either he declined or they decided not to bring him back for a cameo. But you know, they use his image, which I'm sure they had to pay for because um, of Sean Connery. Yeah, got to pay. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they didn't actually bring the actor back. Again, maybe he turned it down, or maybe they just decided not to do that. But yeah, I have a feeling either Shia LaBeouf probably would have turned down, or they'll just do like a reference, like because yeah, I am curious because you don't see Marion in the trailer, so I don't know if they have like an opening scene where it's like Indy at home with his wife, or uh, obviously those of you who have already seen Dial of Destiny. 
you know, you got a spoiler on us. Like we haven't seen it yet. We we didn't. We oh, al- yeah. we almost went to see it in theaters. We were going to cover it, and then we, I think I changed my mind or something at that. Uh, you went to see Oppenheimer instead. That's right. Yeah, Oppenheimer. And for some reason, I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, I guess it was too last minute or. Anyway, probably just more. I got impatient, um, which does happen. That's it's like fun. it's opening night. I got. I gotta go see it. You know, which is my problem. But anyway, we haven't seen it yet. So, so yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet but have seen Crystal Skull, you're right there with us. You know, maybe you heard the bad reviews and you're like, uh, I'm gonna wait till this comes out on Disney Plus. You know, which we kind of ended up doing by default. But uh, yeah, I thought about seeing it a few times. <laughs> But I got other things I want to do with my money too So I'm like, eh, do I want to go see it? I kind of do But kind of don't I have a big TV now So <laughs> I'm still going to enjoy it when I finally see it on Disney Plus You know, so I'm like Okay, here we are Anyway um, Yeah, so getting back to the The through line with the interdimensional beings uh, I liked it as well And enjoyed it once again on this On this Entry and and I think they give you, they give you quite a bit up front. Obviously, Area Fifty One, yeah. and like, and then you see the corpse, and it, it kind of looks like your traditional gray alien, you know, that you see in a lot of movies. Um, you know what? Though now that I think about it, I don't think you see, you actually don't get a full picture. No, there you just see a hand. Now yeah, that I think about it. So the skull is the closest you get to the picture of. Um, the alien, you know, it's just reminiscent of, of what you would call the greys, but not quite the same. Um, uh, but later on, I think that we do see a gray alien, uh, most likely the one in the uh, government carsophagus or level. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, do, with that's the right. head cut open. <coughs> we, do, we do see that, the original one from the first scene. We do see it later. She's, you know, they had someone had taken the skull out already, um, apparently, and it, um, it had a crystal skeleton. Like she does make reference to that, but its head is much smaller. So she speculates, like the Russian general, the leader of the Russian group, um, speculates about whether it might have been like a, a close relative of the the other creatures, um, the other beings. Um, which you might be right about, like, is it could be a different species from the same dimension, perhaps. Maybe they came looking for for something as well. Uh, so that was interesting, but they didn't do a whole lot with that after that point. Right. So I don't think they necessarily needed to, um, but it was interesting. I, um, but yeah, I thought they paced it pretty well. You know, they gave you enough, they kept, they kept enough about it mysterious that... You know, it, it didn't. Give, I didn't feel like it didn't give away too much. And obviously, you don't know they're interdimensional until the very end, when um, Oxley finally comes back to himself and reveals. It's the first, like, fully, the first truly cogent thing he says in the film is like, "Interdimensional beings." In point of fact, you know, and it's like, "Ah, oh, Ox is back." Now, uh, speaking of. Uh 
these interdimensional beings, they they appear to have psychic powers. Mm. I was mm-hmm. thinking um, it could have been at the end of the film that this uh, reformed being was reading the mind of the female Russian. Uh, speaking of which, it's mm. a good point. Earlier in the film. The female Russian tried to psychically read Indiana Jones's mind. Yeah, and didn't we just throw that away? Yeah, they didn't do much with that. I was like, "Is she she messing with him? She seems sincere." And then she says, "You're a hard man to read, Doctor Jones." No, I think so it like, was sincere. They maybe she thought she had psychic powers. Yeah, and Jones kind of just scoffs at her. He just like, like kind of smirks. Yeah. It's like it's like what are you trying to do? And uh, so they but they kind of leave that open to your interpretation. Like, did she actually have powers, or she just thinks she had it? Because uh, she definitely has hubris, that's for sure, and, amb- oh, yeah. and ambition, absolutely. Like you and Kate Blanchett does an awesome job with this. Like at the end, where she sees the throne room for the first time, and then she she meets the being, and she gets a taste of the knowledge, and you can see she's just like obsessed. And it's like she's just wide-eyed obsession. Like, give me more. I must have more. I must have more. You know, uh, she did a better job of Russian than than I do, obviously. Um, um, for some reason, I'm picturing the the landlord from the Spider-Man movie, <laughs> <laughs> Rent. Who? Which that that guy actually is Russian. The actor is actually Russian. Um, I think. Yeah. Anyway, he's like Rent. <laughs> Where's my money? Um, but he's probably playing a bit of a stereotype of, of his own people <laughs> to some extent in that film, at least. Um, I think he was in The Hunt for Red October as a Russian, if I'm not mistaken. Cool, 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 cool. He plays one of the Russian, uh, I think. I think that's where I saw him. Outside of Spider-Man. Anyway. Well, uh, what did you think about the very end of the film when Indiana Jones's hat blows over to Mutt Williams' feet and he almost picks it up and puts it on. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I thought this even back then. It's like, obviously, that's Spielberg teasing teasing people a little bit. It's like, yeah. It's like, we could make more with Shia LaBeouf, but we're going to leave it open, you know, to this being the last one as well. So they left it ambiguous on purpose, you know, it's like to, to hint at the possibility. But then, obviously, the critical, I think, I think it did reasonably well in the box office, but the critical reactions, and even to a large degree, the fan reactions are very split, I think. Yeah. Um, I think they decided to scrap any plans they might have had. And, and maybe by this point, Shia LaBeouf's probably like, yeah, I've moved on. Maybe. Oh, yeah. But maybe they didn't ask him. I, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen an interview of him talking about that. Whether he would have been interested or not, you know, um, hard to say. But yeah, they're definitely leaving it ambiguous for on purpose. <laughs> it's like they could either be the last indie film, or they could do more. Imagine if it made like a billion plus. It's like screw the critical reaction. We're gonna make more. Because <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> I think it still did pretty well. I'm, I forgot to look it up. Um, I meant to do that just to, just out of curiosity, but I think it did pr- pretty solid at the box. It's definitely better than the new one did. It's pretty sad, Ouch. actually, how Dial of Destiny. I don't think it even broke 300 million last I checked. 
or and that's globally. But actually, no, that's right. It was creeping close to 400 million total gross globally. But from what I heard about, both the the budget was extremely high for this last film, like 300 million or something like that. And then their marketing budget was like reportedly, or at least rumored to be upwards of 100 million dollars. So it might not have broken even yet. Um, which maybe is part of the reason why they're waiting longer to release it. They're like, yeah. let's squeeze as much out of the theater run as we can. And they're, they are selling it right now. You can buy it, um, I think, through like Prime Video or places like that. You can buy it for $20 right now, but you can't rent it yet, and it's not streaming yet. Right. Um, so trying to uh, get as much money back as they can, at least break even. I mean, Interestingly, on Disney+, Plus. <laughs> Uh, there are two buttons under Dial of Destiny, play and play trailer. Huh. And I've pressed play, and it gives me an uh, error message that says, please try on a different, uh, different under different username, and if it continues to give you an error, hmm. um, I don't remember the I rest. I did not see that. Um yeah, I've not heard of it being officially released, and they haven't been advertising it. Usually, you see on the header, they'll yeah. say, Dial of Destiny coming such and such date. Well, I haven't it, seen anything It yet. might be a goof that they didn't mean to put the play button on there. Could be. I'll, I'll have to, I have a friend who um, works for the company that, that runs the, the streaming service. I'll have to ask him. Like, uh, yeah, or I don't, I don't know if they still maintain it, but they set, they set it up for Disney, oh. like the streaming service. I'm assuming they're involved also in the, the maintenance of it. Um, maybe he knows. But he might not be allowed to tell. I would, I would doubt it. Um, even if he did know. But, um... <laughs> yeah, that made me wonder, though. Yeah, well, it's, I would think it'd be coming soon, because I, I doubt it's making money in theaters right now. But yeah, they may be trying to sell it as much as they can before they start renting it out and stuff. So, overall, overall reactions, if we were to rate this with nerd hats, let's do a before and after. So, like, back when you first saw it, how many nerd hats would you have given it back then? When I first saw it? Yeah. Probably a three. Really? That high? Like, well, for you, out that's of five, decent. right? Yeah, three out of five. Well, maybe a 2.5 then. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I might have done similar, like, kind of, like, middle of the road because of how much I dislike some of the, the dumb parts. Yeah. But yeah, I probably would have been 2.53 at most myself back then. I don't know if it would be much higher now. I think the highest I could possibly go on a film like this is 3.5. But, but yeah, I think it's still in that kind of 3 to 3.5 range for me. Like, it's enjoyable, but it's not a great film by any means. It's, right. it's enjoyable, though. It's an, it's fun, and it's good. it's good for a rewatch. Which, I guess it depends on how you're judging it. Like, if you're judging it as, like, you know, this is, like... I mean, yeah, you, it it's really hard when you're trying to compare films. It's, like, like just for example, like, how, how do you compare a film like this to something like Denis Villeneuve's Dune, for instance? Like, just, like, the pacing and the, the, the aesthetic and the, the, the tone, tonality. It's just so different. Um, it's like how do you how do you compare? It's almost like apples to oranges, you know. It's like so, you know, is this a great great action movie? 
I would say no, it's not great. <laughs> it's good. I, right. I, it's definitely enjoyable, an enjoyable action movie. I enjoy the characters, and obviously the first three movies have a lot to do with that, you know, building up, you know, with, with Indy. And um, I was a little more annoyed by Marion than anything else in this. In this, I liked her better in the original movie yeah. that she was in. Um, her character, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with the writing. Um, her character was more annoying, I think, than enjoyable to me this time around. Um, but I liked the dynamic they had in the first film better. Um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, on action, honestly, because of the dumb scenes, I'd probably have to give it like a 2.5 at best. Like, it's mediocre in with the action. Special effects, honestly, even for 2008, uh, I think it's kind of mediocre as well. I think they, they could have made better choices with with the technology they had. Case in point, Avatar came out the year after that, and it's spectacular. Still, oh, yes. still holds up in terms of technical quality and quality of production. And that that's a huge difference when we see things in Indy Four here, like those monkeys and the and even the gophers. We can tell they're CGI. Yeah, but Avatar just came out a year afterward. Yeah, I mean, obviously you know it's CGI because these are creatures that don't exist, but they right. it was so beautifully done. Granted, you took like 10 years to make it, so you yeah, know, it's like that's true. there's a difference in that realm. But to see what's possible around that same time period, you know, even another another one that comes to mind is uh, Iron Man. The first Iron Man film came out right. the same year as this. Um, it It did a better job, you know, and it had a... It chose its CGI portions more wisely, I think, than this film did. You know, um, so yeah, special effects, I would say 2.5, you know, mediocre as well. Um, now, story, uh, I think I'd give it a 3.5 in story. Cool. I, I really enjoyed the story. I mean, if you include the dumb action bits in the story, that definitely is why I would not give it higher. But I really enjoyed the mystery and the archaeology. And and some of the dialogue is clunky, but, but Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf are good enough actors that they still make it work. It's, it's like he's able to deliver it in a way that still works, even though you can tell, like, oh, that's that's lazy writing. Yeah. Some of it um, clunky, lazy writing. But somehow Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf are able to still make it enjoyable and make it work. Um but yeah, story, I would give it 3.5. Acting, I think, similar, 3.5. The two of them give strong performances, as does John Hurt. And um, and Kate Blanchett, obviously, solid as well. She's definitely hamming it up, you know. <laughs> um, but that, you know, that's what you want from an indie villain, I think. You want, some, he's going to chew the scenery, if, as you, as it were. Um, you know, and, and she does a good job of that. Like, she, she also does that in when she plays a villain villainous in Thor, um, you know, the third Thor movie, you know, and it's just enjoyable because Kate Blanchett rocks. And, um, but yeah, the Marion, you know, I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head right now, but the, um, the one who played that performance was not as good. Mac is like, Mac, he serves his purpose. I think, yeah. he, I think he did a good job serving, you know, his role. Um, 
it doesn't have to be a tour de force performance necessarily in that role. Um, and then Jim Broadbent is good in almost anything he's in. You know, he's just a very natural actor. And, um, and he just has that quirky personality that, you know, he works well as a, as a professor. Or I think he was an academic dean, I think, in this. But, yeah, I liked his his character. But, yeah, not, not excellent across the board. So I, I think 3.5 with acting. Music, 3.5 as well. This is not John Williams' best, but it, it's still really good. You know, it's still good and solid. So I think maybe average all of those out, I think I'd give it a three. Oh, okay. I'd give it a three. You know, which for me is a little low. Um, but yeah, I think three is fair. You know, it's you know, it's a little bit above average, but not much. <laughs> okay. I now I don't have an in depth review like you, but I was going to give my recent watch more like maybe a three point five. Um uh, I, I I wonder I wonder whether or not my consumption of uh, junk films has affected my ability <laughs> to know the difference between a good film and a bad film. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and some of that there's a certain degree of subjectivity in a lot of that too. It's like you know one man's one man's great film might be another man's trash. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just depends on what you like to to some extent. But there there are certain I think. If you know a little bit about filmmaking, which I'm certainly not an expert, a lot of what I know, I know from watching behind the scenes and and, and inside the actor's studio interviews with directors and whatnot. And also a podcast, uh, Film Spotting, which I've plugged before on here. I started listening to it again recently. Uh, it's put on, it's been going on for, I think, 17 years. It's a long, it's got like 900 something episodes. And uh, it's done by two uh, film critics from the Chicago film critic scene. And um, it's very well done. Um, but they, they get into the, like, film school level analyses of films. But they, they cover the wide range. They, they'll cover more populist films like a MCU film, Avengers film, or India, Indiana Jones film. But they also get into, like, really, like, art house, like, criterion collection kind of, you know, more independent films or films made by the masters you know like as you might call it um like you know i've heard names like well i think kurosawa yeah. you're familiar with so yeah, he's, considered, he's one of the people they revere his work but then there's no one gene champion who I'd, I'd never heard of before i started listening to their podcast and uh, i think i might have seen one of her films but not didn't realize that's who directed it but but yeah and they'll they'll get into more of those types of films as well but they bring that that level of expertise so that's that's taught me a lot about what to look for in films um but there are times where i just want to sit back and just enjoy it i don't, I don't really want to critique it you know um and it, i guess in a sense we're just doing this as a hobby yeah and we're trying to have some some fun with it so we're not necessarily going super deep on that front no sometimes i want to though there's some films i was like i really want to dig into this you know like the Miyazaki film last week, like oh yeah, you know, oh that was a great film. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to um, our Miyazaki month in November. So, it should be very enjoyable. Very. And I guess we'll get into that off recording, and we'll we'll start planning on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 
figure out to nail down which four we're gonna well three i guess we're gonna cover and all that good stuff and then we gotta i think a few of them also have mangas that go along with them so we could probably yeah. find a way to cover that. i own one of the mangas yeah so we can we can find yeah. a way to cover that for a manga comics week and, uh, and then we'll do three three films i think i already know what two of them are going to be and they're, they're kind of the two you might think of but then I feel like we should surprise people with a third choice and be like, "We'll see." You didn't see this one coming. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Raccoons with, with giant transforming balls. <laughs> Wait, what, what kind of balls? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> giant transforming elderly balls. I'm talking about Pompoco. <laughs> We might not do Pompoco <laughs> since I mentioned it. We wouldn't be a surprise now. <laughs> <coughs> Wait, is it really that kind of balls, or is it? Yes, just, it is. Oh, and they dang. all sit, and all the children sit on it as cushions. Oh no, that's just wrong. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, we should watch that one just because of this. I know, I know. Uh, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Mizaki gets out there sometimes with <laughs> Japanese folklore people. That's that's right. That's right. Um, maybe they feel a way about our folklore, though. Although, do we even... I guess we sort of have American folklore, but we're such a melting pot that it's kind of all over the place. I know? think our folklore is superheroes. It's becoming, yeah, that's like some of our modern folklore in a sense, which of course borrows from older stories. Like, uh, I, yeah, I guess the <coughs> the older folklore would be like Johnny Appleseed and things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like our, our modern superheroes borrow a lot from the old Greek stories, you know, Greek gods yeah. and, and um, you know, the Odyssey and the Iliad and, you know, things like that. They certainly borrow from that a good bit, like. I mean, comic book writers in general, like the mainstream comic book writers, think have borrowed a good bit from, you know, as do many other writers. Like, and to some extent, I mean, every every story builds on previous stories, you know, to some extent. Um, like, there's nothing com- completely new under the sun. I, f- I feel like, at least, there's not very, it's not very often you find something that's like truly new under the sun in, in that sense. Um, yeah, well, it's getting late, so I guess we should uh, should wrap this this up. Well, that concludes our review of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Christians, Christian Skull, the Crystal Skull. Blah blah blah. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I think we both enjoyed revisiting this film. Looks like it's it's enjoyable. It's it's fun. You know, if you don't try to take it too seriously, which I, I don't feel like you should with any of the indie films. Like, I don't think you're supposed to take Especially it too seriously. Especially this one. Especially this one. But, yeah, it's supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, and there's there's some wink-wink humor, you know, kind of even pokes fun at itself a little bit, you know. And I like that. I like I like that <laughs> about all the films. And Harrison Ford, obviously, is, is the center point of all that. He, he pulls off that kind of humor very well now I haven't seen <laughs> on a, as a parting as a parting guess uh, let's let's compare shirtless Indiana Jones from the first trilogy to shirtless Indiana Jones in this film like was he shirtless in this film yeah like well when he's getting scrubbed for the oh that's right like I think he was 65 when he made it, it was like, well he was greater dude was ripped <laughs> like he's he's, he's he's still got it man he's got he's in good shape and I know a lot of people talked about that back then but um 
but apparently he gets shirtless in the new one as well and he's had some some ladies uh some i know i saw a clip of at least at least one clip where a female reporter is like it's like you still got it <laughs> and he was just like i'm sure he's heard this many times he's, he's just like I think he was getting ready to say something snarky, but he's just like, I have been blessed with this body. <laughs> I think he's like 80 now. I think right around 80. Yeah. 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 He'd be about 80 now. So, yeah. yeah wow. He's still in, still in good shape. I hope I'm not in that good shape at 80. You know, he had that fight scene just a few years ago in uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, which if you haven't seen was that he yet. Was Blade Runner? He was, yeah, he was in the original. In, really? Back in 82. I didn't know that. And then he also plays a you know, significant part in the new film as well, huh. uh, which is one of the best sequels of all time, in my opinion. Like, I think it, obviously you couldn't have it without the original, you know, it builds on the original and the atmosphere of the original, quite a, especially the production design. Um, but I would say it, it, it is better than the original. Uh, which not too many sequels <laughs> can say that. Toy Story Two. That's true. I think I think it's fair to say that's better than Toy Story One. But there's not too many other sequels you can say that about where it got better is better than the first one. Um, that is true. That's true. If I had any examples, I would say them now, but I don't. <laughs> oh man, Mighty Ducks Two. No. <laughs> ha 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 ha. Oh. I have not seen those movies in a long time. The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Was that serious or, or a joke? I certainly haven't seen Mighty Ducks. I think I did like the second one better than the first, but you can't can't have the second one without the first. True. And um, but no, I, I remember liking those movies as a kid. You know, they were enjoyable. When I was around the age of the kids in it, maybe a little younger, um, so I I could resonate with some of what they were going through. Anyway, well, nerds, uh, nerds. Let's see, oh yeah. Well, next next week kicks off uh, horror month. So yeah, we we will most likely do one of the Ash versus the Evil Dead, or not Ash, one of the Evil Dead series next week. Um, but we'll definitely cover one during the month during horror month for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, so you might you might get a review of that next week, um, but it'll be horror related, whatever it is. And uh, see, so yeah, we got a, and then uh, the second week of October, we're gonna have Dan Johnson and Chris Mackey are coming back. They're gonna talk about the state of comics, and uh, we're also gonna talk about what some of their favorite horror comics are. Um, so with it being horror month, you know, we have to hit on some horror themes. So uh, so that should be should be pretty cool. And Dan and, uh, does love his horror comics. Yeah, and then um, week three we're going to do a horror anime, which we, we have a fan of ours that has recommended one in particular uh, that, that we may cover. we got to get back with this individual and, and see. They might even join us on the podcast. This is a potential. Uh, we got to confirm that with them, but uh, they have at least have made a suggestion for, for that week uh, for a horror anime film. Um, but I'm not going to announce it just yet. It's gonna, but yeah, we got possibility in the works and uh so yeah so we got three of our topics already nailed down for this month and uh we have one more that has yet to be nailed down that we need to figure out what we're going to cover but it's going to be horror related so this is the month of horror 
So be on the lookout for all those episodes coming up. Until then, Saranara, live long and prosper. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Reverend Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, the Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly anchor.fm profile where you can send us a voice message if you want to support us financially or listen to the podcast it will also direct you to other places you can listen like spotify apple google stitcher you name it so like comment subscribe follow all those good things wherever you find us wherever you listen to us we would greatly appreciate it until next time nerds live long and prosper avengers assemble I'm Batman.